Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman alongside Neil Manthorpe for the next 20 minutes or so, looking back at 32 overs of pure out and out action from Lords, uh, where South Africa showed that there's more to this series than just getting annoyed about the term basball. Plenty to discuss despite uh, the early end with myself and uh, Neil Manthorpe here on the following on podcast. So if you're listening to the show by now, you uh, no doubt know that uh, England ended it in a little bit of trouble. 116 for six, water on the outfield, the puddles lengthening down the slope as I speak. And uh, England possibly happy for the reprieve because uh, South Africa won the toss, decided to bowl in more than helpful conditions. And they certainly made it count. Despite very little cricket in the lead up to this series, Rabada uh, on it uh, from the outset alongside Ngidi. Uh, removing both openers cheaply, Rabada, uh, Alex Lees and Zach Crawley. Uh, Joe Root, uh, second over of Marco Janssen's spell. Slightly fortunate LBW, uh, but uh, the ball would have been shown to have hit, or rather clipped, at leg stump. So uh, Root went cheaply, and the informed batter of the summer, Johnny Bairstow, not hanging around either. Third time in a row, I think, at Lords. He's been clean bowled, and uh, he was the first of three victims going the way of uh, Norkia, who picked up the wicket of Stokes, last ball of the morning session, and Ben Folkes via an inside edge just before the rain came. So, South Africa absolutely on top, but four days to come. England have battled back from far worse positions than this, and uh, the Test match uh, is, uh, is well and good here at Lords. But uh, let's get on with the big story. Story of the day. Well, please say I'm joined by Neil Manthorpe, a regular, familiar and reassuring voice of cricket on the station. Uh, Manners, uh, we only got 32 overs today, but uh, more than enough to talk about. Um, look, a lot has been said in just that short passage of time about this pace attack that 
South Africa have brought to England. Um, look, going back to 1990, Mkai and Tini, you know, played alongside an, an attack that boasts the likes of Alan Donald, Sean Pollock, and they even had Jack Callis uh, in the side. Um, you're looking slightly s- surprised. I, I say that. No, 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 you said 1990. Oh, when was it? Not 1990, John. Um, 2003, I think, when Makaya took 10. <laughs> the only reason I'm saying it, I just read your... <laughs> I just, as I came in to tap your shoulder, I quickly read your <laughs> intro to whatever your, whatever piece. Who are you writing for? Daily Mail or some South African or Business Week? Or who, 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 you, <laughs> who will be blessed to read that kind of intro that I've just butchered? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a column about the fast bowlers of, uh, of what, what year are we in? 2022, <laughs> as opposed to 2008. Um, when um, when Dale Stain and Mornay Morkel were um, part of a four-man pace attack that included Mackay and Tini, who was leader of the attack in 2003 after his 10 wickets. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 1990. I'm not sure South Africa were playing much cricket then. <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> not abroad, anyway. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was an in-joke that I, I'm just going to leave in the show because I've, it's amused me. Um, essentially... Dear listeners, as I went to tap Neil Manthorpe on the shoulder, I just misread his <laughs> misread his first paragraph for his uh, excellent piece. Um, but look, essentially, that is a damn fine bowling attack. And considering Rabada's supposedly injured, Nokia hasn't played... I don't think Nokia's played a first-class game for a, a year. Um, yeah, I mean, it just beggars belief, doesn't it? It does. Um, it, they've exceeded expectations. I mean, the point is we had 32 overs, but it, that's equivalent to a day's play, isn't it, with England being six wickets down. And, you know, I mean, Marco Janssen is just an, a phenomenon to me. He was included in the test squad basically as a work experience kid at the beginning of the year uh, with the idea that he'd get a taste of the international atmosphere. But, it, you know, we were looking at a year or two down the line before he became... Um, you know, even a, a regular in the Test side or any other um, of the one day of the one day teams, but I mean, he today has never enjoyed swing like that before. I mean, he's, he's hooping it back into the right handers like Wazi Makram. Um, he was like a kid in a biltong shop. I mean, it, it was everything was going his way. And the point uh, uh, that I was about to... I'm about to finish that piece for the Daily Mail, so you know, people will be able to listen to it here before they read it in the Daily Mail. But So the point was that back in 2008, Dale Stane and Mornay Morkel um, were totally uh, intimidated on the first day of the Lord's Test match. They were, they were, they were awestruck. Um, you know, they had stars in their eyes and they bowled really poorly. And you remember Ian Bell made 199 and England went on to make 593. And back then in 2008, um, South Africans were aware, of course, by that stage of the effect that Lords can have on big name players for the first time. And so they came to Lords three days early. But the attitude was, here it is. Here's the home of cricket. Have a look round. Now get over it. And Mark Boucher was in that team, of course. Um, And he adopted a different approach this time around. He brought all the players here and he said, have a look around, absorb it. Really, really absorb it and continue to do that. You You can't put it out of your mind. When you arrive, and this is what he told the team... And particularly the, the fast bowlers, Lungi Ngidi and Marco Janssen and Anrik Nokia, who never played here before, he said, when you arrive on the first morning, you are going to have butterflies in your stomach. You are still going to be um, struck by the crowd, by the atmosphere, by the aura of the place. Um, and best you get used to it. 
Don't try and get over it. Don't try to put it out of your mind. Don't try to tell yourself that this is a test match just like any other, because it's not. Um, and I think, you know, the proof was in the way they bowled. And, and you know, only Lungi and Gidi didn't make the players, make the openers play as much as he should have done. And he only got five overs as a result. But, um, I, I mean, to my mind, uh, they are a very, very talented quartet. Um, but even, even to that extent, they exceeded expectations. It reminds me of a story similar, actually. The 2015 World Cup, Cricket World Cup in New Zealand and Australia, and Brendan McCullum, who's obviously the coach of England now, um, I'm not sure if it's his idea or not, but they travelled to Melbourne before the tournament as a team and did something similar. And then, of course, they got reached the final at the MCG, and Brendan McCullum was out after two balls or (laughs) something stupid. Um, Yeah, look, it, it was wonderful cricket. Look... We can talk about the cricket, but before we do so, there was something that also occurred today, and I'm not just talking about the tube carriage that I was in that filled with smoke somewhat disconcertingly as we got to Southwark tube station, which meant a a sharp exit. Um, The FTP's been announced. Now, I know you've known what's coming for, uh, for a month or so, but essentially, I walked to the ground today, um, I, we, in a gloom, in a gloomy manner, bumped into uh, Paul Newman, had a gloomy chat with him. I've had a gloomy chat with a couple of other journalists because we we are fearful about the game. In fact, we're not fearful. We know what's going to happen, and it's happening. It's happened. It's happened. Happening. Going to happen. South Africa are one of the greatest overseas test sides in the history of the game. Essentially, that's the only place they're going to be playing test cricket moving forward. If if the FTP isn't to be changed, they're essentially playing two tests a summer, South African summer for the next three or four years, that's not sustainable. You cannot tell somebody growing up in South Africa that it is worth investing in the in the skill sets you need to be a test player if you cannot play test cricket. And the feeling I have about this South Africa series is I'm going to enjoy it because it's the last one I'm ever going to see. Now, a South Africa side will visit England again and they will play test cricket again, but they will not be drawing upon the resources that the country provides naturally and um if you think about i'm exaggerating that well just ask yourself the question why on earth would any cricket board invest in the longer format um, and why would any player invest in the longer format if you can't play the longer format the only um hope to cling to from a south african point of view is that they've been overproducers of quality cricketers than they can consume at home i mean they've been net exporters of cricketers. England know that all too well, better than any other country, but there are South Africans playing for Ireland and the Netherlands and Scotland and New Zealand. And so, um, you know, you've got a guy like Diervolt Brevis, who's now um, part of the Mumbai Indians family um, in the IPL and now the mini IPL in South Africa in January and February. Will he ever play for South Africa? Will he ever want to? Will he ever know what it feels like to walk out into the field to play test match cricket? And how would he get selected for South Africa? Because he's not going to play domestic cricket there either. He's going to end up playing franchise cricket for the Mumbai Indians, in, in, if not in the UAE, then in South Africa or the IPL or the Caribbean Premier League. Um, so all, all I can say is that because of the facilities and the infrastructure at grassroots level in South Africa and because of all the schools and the facilities, um, we, South Africa will continue to be a, a net exporter of, of cricketers. And so you can only hope that uh, they continue to remain competitive. But, I mean, there's one year, uh, I think it's 2026-27, where there are no home tests scheduled 
not a single home test match scheduled. And as you said, there's just two um, scheduled um, for, for three of the, of the four years. So um, that isn't sustainable. I mean, it is very, very gloomy. But, um, you know, we've, we've been writing about this and talking about it, and you and I have spoken about it on previous, um, uh, well, following on and Cricket Collective podcasts, and, and it's now come true. We've now got the evidence in black and white in the Future Tours program, and it's still hard to digest, even though we've s seen it coming. Uh, you know, South Africa play 24 test matches in that time, um, 28 test matches, 22 of them are in two-match series, 11 two-match series. So um, it is very sad, very gloomy. I mean, I was down at Canterbury for four days watching South Africa play the England Lions, and, and I looked at the, the, the Kent faithful with their deck chairs and, and packed lunches and, and watching from the boundary's edge, and I thought, this is the last time, people, you will see a touring team. Um, you know, outside of, a, of an international. And South Africa will come to England and they'll play a test match on the back of two days of extensive nets, um, you know, um, uh, coming straight from T20 leagues uh, around the world. So, um, you know, the game in some ways needs to be modernised, and that's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, th a four-day game um, in Canterbury uh, had its charm and its beauty, um, but the the accountants, well, <laughs> the monetizers, the marketeers will tell you that, um, you know, it's old school and it's, uh, it has no place in, in the new world. And I don't think I'm too old to say I think that's sad. Well, I think it's sad. I don't think you're too old either. But what one thing that you don't mention is that essentially you're going to find yourself in a position where, and I would I'd just choose Kagisa Rabada because of the South African quick bowlers. I know Nokia had a breakthrough IPL, but he's the bowler that I associate with the IPL. So he's the one I will use as an example. But let's fast forward three or four years. I'm not sure when South Africa, I haven't yet digested the full FTP yet. South Africa are back here. And let's just assume that Kagiso Rabada is still a, whoever he plays for uh, <laughs> in the IPL. I can't actually remember. Um, but he doesn't just play for, say, the Mumbai Indians. He plays for the, the mini Mumbai Indians or the, in South Africa in January. And he plays in the UAE League. And then he plays in the CPL for the Mumbai Indians variant there. And he plays in the Big Bash. I mean, essentially, he's, 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 he makes his money um, from the Mumbai Indians. And then he rocks up in England. And he's got three, three test matches to bowl. You know, he's a prized asset. He's making a million dollars a game playing in the IPL by this point, he's making a lot of money. And not only is he making a lot of money for himself, he's making a lot of money for his team. Now, who selects, who decides whether Kagiso Rabada, and I'm just using him as an example, who will be deciding in three or four years' time in South Africa, come back here, whether Kagiso Rabada plays for South Africa? It will not be your selector, and it will not be your coach, and it will not be your captain. It will be whoever runs the IPL team that Kagiso Rabada is playing for and that for me is definitely sad it's following the football model isn't it um where you know players um are owned by their clubs and they're released to play in fifa qualifying tournaments or european cha championship uh, qualifying games they have very small windows that they are contractually bound to be released for and that's the way that cricket uh, will have to go um, there will have to be considerable compromise made um, in takes South Africa's example on in selection, you know, because traditionally uh, you select a team or a player based on his form in domestic first-class cricket. You know, what's 
the future of domestic first-class cricket are going to... Uh, what does that hold? I mean, you're going to have to make massive compromises and you're going to have to say, we don't know whether he's got the workload required to play in a test match. We have no idea whether he can bowl 35 overs in a test match because, you know, that's all he bowls in an entire IPL season. Um, so there'll have to be huge risks taken and contracts will have to be signed in which the Mumbai Indians and, and the other franchises agree to a period, collective period of what it, whatever it might be, 30 days in, in a year where they can be released, or they have to be released if selected for ICC events. And in that I include the World Test Championship. But, you know, um, the West Indies are only a few dollars away from dropping out of test status anyway. They don't have the money, the finances to, to keep domestic cricket going. You imagine the cost of inter-island first-class cricket. Uh, there's no gate money, there's no broadcast rights. Um, so that was a price that has always felt to be worth paying in order to preserve Test cricket. Now the West Indies drop out of Test cricket uh, because they can't afford it and because the big three um, aren't prepared to share the very large cake <laughs> that they have, then um, who, is who will follow? You know, I mean, we've got Zimbabwe, Afghanistan and Ireland. They've got Test status in theory. Um, but it's, it's a, it's, we're at the top of a very, very slippery slope. In fact, I think we're on that slope. Oh, I think we're hurtling down the slope, you know, and I think the sad thing is, the real sad thing, and there's many, many sad things, is that, you know, as a cricket fan who grew up, um, not quite idolising, but certainly enjoying um, and learning about the likes of Richard Hadley or Kumar Sangakkara or Viv Vivian Richards or, I mean, you know, I can't say... Can't say I enjoy too many South Africans, but essentially, <laughs> you know, Hashim Hashi Amla, right? Throw him in there. These these people will not exist in my world anymore. Not in Test cricket. They'll exist in pajama cricket, but not in Test cricket. But England and Australia and India will play twenty five Tests against each other every year, and England will stink the place out in India and Australia, and the series will be competitive here. And in India, that's it, though. I can't see any other way. And if listening to what you said on the Cricket Collective a few days ago is true, this FTP is just one FTP nearer to the real end game, which is going to come in 2027. That's going to be even less Test cricket and possibly no but Test cricket for some of those nations. Well, I wrote a piece as well, again, before this series began for um, the Wisden Monthly, in which I said it could well be and I actually I think I went further than that and said it is the most important test series in South Africa's history because the only way, and, and it's, <laughs> it's a faint hope and probably a naive hope, but the only way that, that South Africa continue, can continue to, to maintain a seat at the head table and make it impossible um, for them to be relegated to the junior table, the backbenchers of test cricket, is to become the best in the world and to, to remain... Um, not just competitive, but they're going to have to beat England, Australia and India because it, it, it does become hard, doesn't it? I mean, it may be counterintuitive to think that if the big three are being beaten by one of the small boys, then the easiest thing would be to do, kick them out. But you see, ultimately, John, it's not the administrators who make those decisions. It's the broadcasters, isn't it? Um, and, and if the broadcasters are getting great value out of South African teams um, playing winning cricket and, you know, taking the big boys down a peg every time they get this opportunity to play them, and uh, no doubt they'll soon be reduced to two tests against the big three as well. But if South Africa can keep winning, um, 
then there is a chance that that that, that by upsetting the big three, they will keep the majority of Test cricket alive. And I can see in your eyes now that that is naive. Win to survive, essentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the kind of where New Zealand were a few years ago, and you know they got their three Test series this summer against England, didn't they? But then New Zealand themselves only play two tests when England go visit them. And they're going to be visit, visiting them in, in February. So kind of works both ways. Um, OK, well, look, this is a, a story that will we'll, it's, it's not going anywhere. Uh, let's go back to what we saw today, though. Let's, get, let's, not, uh, let's not end uh, on a gloomy note. I tell you what, so play was called off about half an hour ago. Uh, it's just after five o'clock here at Laws. I'm looking around. I, part of me wonders whether the crowd know because there's still... <laughs> It's still quite a few. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a decent county championship crowd. <laughs> I think they're just waiting for the tube station to clear, aren't they? I mean, That's a good raining. idea, actually. Yeah, it has stopped raining, but uh, look, um, what's it going to be like in the next couple of days <laughs> with the train strike and the tube strike? That's what concerns me. Well, look, um, we might not even get to, to Saturday and Sunday, although this pitch, it does flatten out. Um, and, and England are going to know that and South Africa South Africa are going to be aware of that and of course South Africa are going to have to bat last as well uh, it is a new Dukes ball it's not the same one that was played with uh, during the New Zealand and India series so that would be interesting to see whether it misbehaves a little bit more but in terms of where we are in the game a score I mean a score of 250 I suppose England would take South Africa would be fearful of but um, is it a question is it a case that South Africa's strength is so much with their bowling, England would still fancy their chances, even if they were to be bowled out for, say, 220. Yes, absolutely. I said after half an hour, 220 might be a good score. And I still think that, that I'd be amazed if England weren't in the game, if they get to 220. And I can see them getting there. I can see Pope going on and, and making 80 or maybe even 100. And, uh, you know, if Stuart Broad, what's he called now? The Nighthawk? If he smashes a quick he's called, uh, He's called uh, England's number eight. Yeah, <laughs> which is where he started his career all those years ago as well. So, uh, look, I do. I, I mean, you have to bear in mind that South Africa don't have a single batsman averaging over 40. Not one. Dean Elgar averaging... How many does England have? Uh, well, I think they're similarly weak. And that's the point, isn't it? They're similarly weak. And, you know, you've got Sardal Ovia, um, who's um, yet to establish himself. I know he scored 100 in his second game on a flat pitch against New Zealand in Christchurch. But Keegan Peterson um, hasn't scored 100. Um, you know, Rusty Funderdussen may be a brilliant ODI player, but he still he only averages 32 in Test cricket. Uh, so, so I said, well, I said on the Cricket Collective, didn't I, um, last week, that both teams have equal capacity to be 40 for four. So, England just have to get 220, I think, um, and, and 250. You said they'd take. I'd snap your hand off 250 now, and I'd be amazed if uh, if if there weren't some early wickets. Um, and I, I, I can see England taking a, a, a narrow lead with a total of 250. So there's an awful lot to play for. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Brilliant stuff. Well, let Manners be back. Homie will be back tomorrow as well. Um, Manners, thank you very much. Uh, we will be uh, reunited at some point. But uh, that brings us to the end of the show as the Seagulls um, nestle in, really. There's, uh, there's about 30 of them on the outfield. The puddles have just started to disappear, uh, but not quick enough for, for there to be any more play. Uh, 98 overs, though, available uh, on day two. And despite the tube and train strikes... Uh, the weather forecast is slightly better than what we saw today. So uh, a result still very much on the cards. Uh, and we'll be back following play on day two. Following on The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.